Most people say that they believe in the promise of marriage being forever, and yet there was a study done that would indicate that they really actually don't. I don't know if you've heard of Match.com, but Match.com is one of the largest dating sites, internet dating sites out there, has 4.2 million customers per month. Not per year, per month. 4.2 million customers they average per month that log in to find their match. And they did a survey asking their users uh, if they believe you can stay married to the same person forever. They said, do you believe that you can stay married to the same person forever? 90% of all women who responded said, absolutely, marriage is a forever proposition. 88% of men who responded said, absolutely, marriage is a forever proposition. If you're on match.com, make sure you stay away from those 10% of women that say no and those 12% of men that say no. That is good, and yet, here's the funny thing. And yet, while they say they believe in this promise of forever, uh, of marriage is forever, in that same survey by Match.com, asking the same respondents, they asked them this question, do you agree with the statement of till death do us part? In this question, the results were 56% of women said yes, till death do us part. And only 47% of men said yes, they could agree till death do us part. So in other words, the majority say, yes, we believe marriage is forever, but then when they actually get to that altar and they say those words, they're saying, well, I'm saying it, but I don't really know that I truly believe in that promise forever. I believe it, except really, I don't. They're indicating we want the promise of a lifelong love. We just don't trust that promise. And I wonder if as Christians we can be similar, that we know the promises, we hear the promises, we say we want the promises, but when we get to the altar, do we actually believe in those promises? Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis, and we're beginning in Genesis chapter 9 this morning as we continue our series in this book. Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. Genesis chapter nine, beginning in verse eight. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you. Now what is a covenant? Covenant is what? It's a promise, it's a, it's a pledge, it's a commitment. Behold, I establish my covenant with, with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never, God makes a promise, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant, my promise, my commitment, my pledge. This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow, a rainbow, in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my promise, my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting promise or covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that is on the earth. 
God made a promise. He makes a promise, a sign, and he provides a sign, a symbol of this promise. And it is a bow, a rainbow in the sky that we now know as a rainbow in the sky. It is a promise that God tells the people he will never, ever forget. Verse 15, I will remember my promise that is between me and you, God says. Verse 16, I will see the rainbow in the sky. I will see, see the bow in the sky. And I will remember this promise, this everlasting, this eternal promise that I have made with you. And for thousands upon thousands of years, God has never forgotten that promise. He doesn't say that promise, yes, I believe in this, and then says, well, I'm gonna back off of it just a little in other areas. He believes it fully. He says, the rainbow is a forever sign. I've learned in my 21 years of following Jesus that the issue has never been whether or not God remembers his promises. The issue really isn't even if I remember God's promises. The issue is, do I trust in God's promises? Do I trust in those promises? I mean, even think about the rainbow, as, as silly it may, as it may seem. I, I, I ask, when you see a rainbow, when you see a rainbow uh, in the sky, does it give you pause do you reflect on and, and appreciate that that rainbow, that rainbow is a symbol that God is a God that is true to his promises and true to his commitments? Or do we just see it and, and, and move on? Is it a reminder to us that, that, that our God is faithful? Do we even remember that that's the purpose of the bow, the rainbow? It was this lack of remembering by humanity that led to the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, if you just want to turn a few pages over there. In Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitmutin for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a, make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. In this tower... In this tower, the people of the world believe that by making this tower, they would become more powerful. If, if they built this tower, people would be less likely to disperse, and then they could build the tower even higher and higher. And they believed that, that the size of the tower would be a place of, of refuge. It would be a place of security for the people. It would be a place of protection to, to keep everyone together and to keep people safe. But the question is to protect them from what? Commentaries point out, and we learned when we were kids in Sabbath school, that it seems logical that, that what the story is communicating, what, why, why it mentions this tower, is because these people believe that there might be another flood again. The flood story has just happened, and now, and now they're building this giant tower, and the description of the tower is that it will go all the way up into the heavens, the only place that was not touched by the floodwaters. And they were wanting security from another flood. This was a significant time after the flood. It was many years after the flood. And, and, and the Bible says that the whole earth spoke the same language and they came together. Now, when we think of the whole earth, obviously our numbers are different than their numbers were. Some of the commentaries I read said probably the whole earth at this time was simply a few thousand 
people. And yet for them in that moment, it was significant. How can we build this tower of strength? And in these few thousand people were definitely some unbelievers. But Ellen White gives in her book, Patriarchs and Prophets, she gives, shares the insight that, that even amongst these unbelievers, there were also believers in the group that helped to build this tower. There were people within this group that believed in the Almighty God, believed that he was the one true God, believed that they should worship the one true God. And even within this group, there were these believers that said, you know what, we still need to build a tower. There was also amongst this group people that believed in God, believed that there was one God, that there was one Almighty, but, but, but they believed that the reason why there was a flood was not because of humanity's sin or humanity's choices or humanity's mistakes, but they doubted the goodness of God. And so they thought, well, if God's shown himself to not be good before, maybe he will again, and, and so we need to build this tower. Here you have people that believed in God and yet, and yet even though they believed in God and I'm sure wanted to believe in the promises of God, they did not trust God's promises of never sending another flood to the earth. And so they saw a need to build a tower to protect them from this God. And so they began to build a tower. A tower because they did not believe in God's promise that he would never send a flood again. Now the tower, the Tower of Babel is a, is, a, is a rich story and there could be so many things that we could preach about it, different sermons that we could preach about this tower, eschatologically and ecclesiology and all kinds of moral lessons that you could teach in regard to the, to the Tower of Babel. But, but as I was thinking about it for, for me in this week and maybe for us in this week, one of the, one of the lessons that I see for us is that it's a reminder that while we can believe in the promises, if we do not trust the Lord of the promises, eventually we will begin to build towers that will oppose our God. We will begin to build towers that will oppose our God. Probably many of us could, could look at areas of our life and see that we're already beginning to build towers. Maybe we've already built some very large towers. There's so many promises in the Bible that I think of. In Philippians chapter four and verse 19, the Bible says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Every single need. And we hear that promise and we can say, I believe that promise, but do we trust this promise or are some of us building towers of unfaithful stewardship because we don't really trust it. We don't really believe that it's true. I know that God says he'll provide for all of my needs, but, but what if he doesn't? What if I come to the end of the month and I'm, I'm just a little bit short, and so I'm gonna hold back just a little bit because I gotta build a tower for myself just in case God's promise of providing for all my needs is not accurate. And so we, we pull back and we build, begin to build a tower a tower of unfaithfulness in our income and in our finances. What about the promise that is in Psalm 119? In, in both the Greek and the Hebrew, the word that is used for, for blessed is also, could also be translated as happy. As happy, and many of us desire to be happy. We desire to have joy in our life. And, and, and in, the, in Psalm 119, the, the New Century Version translates the beginning of that chapter like this. Happy are those who live 
pure lives. Happy are those who follow the teachings of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his rules, who, who try to obey him with their whole heart. Happy are those who know the word of the Lord, in other words. Do we trust that promise? Do we trust that, that if we spend our time consuming this book and, and, and learning this book and, 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 and seeking to follow the Lord through the teachings of this book, do we trust that that is what will really make us happier? Do we build towers? Do we build towers of other things that we think will make us more happy? Yeah, I hear that, but, but if that's all I do, I don't think I'll really be happy, and so we begin to build other towers. Maybe in some of our homes and in some of our lives, we're building towers of entertainment that will make us happy. Maybe we'll build towers of, of, you know what? I know I should be reading my Bible, but you know what? What makes me more happy is going and looking at my friend's pictures on Facebook or Instagram. I know that what would really make me happy is, is going to that movie and just being able to enjoy that movie. I, I don't really have time for that. I know that God says I will be happy if I, if I know his teachings, if I follow his teachings, if I know his rules and I follow his rules, but I don't trust him, so we begin to build other towers in our lives. What about the promise that God gives us? You keep him, you keep her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. From the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 26, chapter 26 and verse three. The Bible says, he will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed upon the Lord. That means that we're constantly dwelling and, and thinking upon the Lord, that we're focused upon the Lord. But are there towers that we're building in our lives that are unhealthy towers to give us some sort of peace that is counter to what the Bible says actually brings us perfect peace? Do we trust that if we stay focused and committed to Christ that we will truly have peace or do we think that there's other ways that we have to build peace in our life? I've been in many a home and I've had many a friend who has said to me, you know what, it's been such a hard day, I just need to relax, I just need one glass of wine to take the edge off, to clear my mind, to have some peace. You'll hear people say things like that. Or how many of us have said, I know that I've said this, I just need to sit down for a minute, watch some TV and not think about anything. Anyone else ever said that? Just nod subtly. Few of you have said that before. Man, I need this other thing in my life to have peace because I can't really have peace if I just spend time with the Lord. I can't really have peace if I just focus on things. And so we begin to build maybe some bad habits, build towers of bad habits because we think these things will give us peace that the Lord cannot give to us. We build towers just like the people following the flood. God said, I will never send water to cover the whole earth. And they said, but what if what if, just by chance, he doesn't keep his promise? Maybe we should build this tower just in case. God says, I'll provide for all your needs. I'll give you perfect peace. I can bring you happiness. I trust, I, I, I know your promise, I believe your promise, but, but what if, what if, just by chance, you don't fulfill your promise? I need to build this tower. I need to build this tower. I think of other ways. I think of even corporately as the church. The Bible tells us, train up a child in the way that they should go, and, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Or Isaiah 54 and verse 13, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall the, be the peace of your children. And, and we hear these things, and, and yet sometimes I think as a church, even uh, in the larger Christianity sense, but also even within Adventism, it sometimes feels like we spend more time uh, 
discussing and debating about how we can build towers of, of entertainment and distraction for our kids rather than teaching, finding out how can we teach them about the word of God. We build these towers. Well, we gotta keep the kids in the church, so we need to make sure we have this fun thing and this fun thing and that fun thing and this fun thing. And somewhere in the midst of it all, we forget that the Bible says, if you wanna keep them close to me, plant the word of God in their hearts. We build other towers. Maybe we've done the same thing in our homes, not only in the church. Many homes where the kids rule the roost, so to speak. That's not the way I was raised, that's not the way I would like to do it, but you know, I want my kids to be happy and to enjoy me, enjoy the church, and enjoy God, so we'll just say okay. Towers, all towers because we don't trust God's covenants, God's promises. The Bible says that all God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That means you can claim any one of those promises and God says they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And yet, we say just in case that's not, even that promise, just in case it's not right, let me build this tower. And maybe the biggest tower of all, maybe the biggest tower of all that we sometimes have built for ourselves is a tower to help us get to God. A tower we have helped to help us get to God. I wanna go back to the rainbow for this one. You see, there's a promise in the Bible that says this. Everyone, who? Who does it say? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That means no matter who you are in here, no matter what your sin, no matter your background, no matter your experience, no matter what you came in here with, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Did you know you can call upon the name of the Lord in this moment, in this time, and be saved? You don't have to go through 28 fundamental studies first. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. It's amazing, isn't it? Do you really believe that? Do we believe it? The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And yet, we build these towers to think, well, I have to go this far. I have to go this far before I can really be accepted by the Lord. I asked you at the beginning, do you believe, uh, do you, when, you, when you look at the rainbow, do you remember that God is a God that is true to his promises? Do you remember the promise that God gave way back then and, and trust that God is still the same today. You know, if I were the devil, I would want to make that symbol symbolize something totally different so that people would not forget, remember, so that people would, would forget that this rainbow is not just a promise that there would never be another flood, but this rainbow is a promise that God is true to his word, true to his commitment. You know, it's the first time in the scriptures in which God says, I make a covenant. That's the first time the flood story, the, the rainbow. That's the first time God says, I make a covenant, I make a promise to you. And, and, and surely the devil would want us to forget, would want us to forget that God is true to his very first promise. If God broke that very first promise, then surely we wouldn't have any need to trust any of the rest of the promises. But God has kept that first promise. But there's a deeper meaning even to the rainbow than that. There's a deeper meaning to the rainbow than that. It's not only a promise of deliverance that the, or a promise that there will never be another flood. It's not only a promise that God is true to his word, but it also is a continual promise of salvation to all humanity. You know, when the rainbow shows up again in the Bible is the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter four. 
And in Revelation chapter four, the beginning of Revelation chapter four says, I have set before you an open door. Revelation four and five are this, are this invitation to come in and, and worship the God Almighty, to, to trust in him and, and, and to celebrate Jesus being worthy of being worshiped as our creator. And then it leads into chapter five. And in chapter five, we see that, that there is a lamb who has slain, who has overcome our sins, who is worthy of being worshiped. And right in the midst of this, in Revelation chapter four, there's a description of the throne. Revelation chapter four and verse three, there's a description of the throne room of God. And around the throne room of God, encircling the throne, is a rainbow. They say that it looks like an emerald. A rainbow that looks like an emerald. And the rainbow is not simply there as a decoration. It's not there to have a color balance in the room. You know, heaven wasn't worried about like, well, we have some, some, some colors over here. We need this color over here around the throne. No, that's not what it's for. It's there as a symbol of something more. Ellen White in Christ's Object Lessons, page 148, wrote this. The rainbow around the throne is an assurance that God is true. And what is he tr- true to? Neither shadow or turn, or that, that in him is no variableness, neither shadow or turning. We have sinned, and then this is what the rainbow is a promise of. We have sinned against him and are undeserving of his favor, yet he himself has put into our lips that most wonderful of pleas. Do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. Jeremiah 14, 21. When we come to him, she continues, confessing our unworthiness and sin, he has pledged himself to give heed to our cry. The honor of his throne is staked for the fulfillment. She says the the rainbow around the throne is is a promise that his throne is at stake if he does not fulfill the plea of every heart that calls on him to be saved. In page 386 of the same book, she writes, no distinction on account of nationality, race, or caste is recognized by God. He is the maker of all mankind. All men and women are of one family by creation, and all are one through redemption. Christ came to demolish every wall of partition, to throw open every compartment of the temple, that every soul may have free access to God. His love is so broad, so deep, so full, that it penetrates everywhere. It lifts out of Satan's circle the poor souls who have been deluded by his deceptions. It places them within reach of the throne of God, the throne encircled by the rainbow of promise. The rainbow is not simply a promise that there will never be another flood. The rainbow is a promise. The rainbow is a promise that no matter who you are, you can have salvation in Christ Jesus. And you don't need to build a tower to get there because it's done through our Savior and Lord and his work. The old Chuck Fillmore song says, the rainbow is a promise in the sky. There never will be another flood where all the people die till Jesus comes to take us, what? Home with him on high. The rainbow is a promise in the sky. But it is not just a promise about water. It's not just a promise about a flood. It is also a promise that we do not need to build towers to save ourselves. We do not need to build towers to provide for our needs. We do not need to build towers to, to, to give us 
peace and happiness. We do not need to build towers to somehow keep our children entertained and liking the church. Jesus has made the way and he is the only way and all the promises in this book are yes and amen in Christ Jesus and God doesn't need any of your towers to make it so, any of them. Brothers and sisters, on your connection card today is an opportunity to maybe state the tower if you'd like to that has formed in your life. Maybe there's something you're struggling with. Maybe there's a tower that you've been building in your life. Maybe there's a doubt that you have in your life, a struggle that you've been having in your life. Maybe you're like Justin or like Grady or Megan. You're saying, I need to take that step of faith and, and I just don't believe I'm good enough to be saved. And that's your tower. On the back of that card, you can let us know and, and we will pray for you. We will pray that God will help that tower to go away, to disappear. If you wanna write that down and, and you can place that in the offering plates as you go out the door at the end of the service. Is there an area in your life where you're not trusting the Lord and his promises with your kids, with your marriage, with your finances, with your work, with your health? Is there a promise that, that, that you know is true, but man, you're having a hard time trusting it and you want someone to pray for you, we'd be happy to do that. Folks, Genesis 11 is a story of a people that built a tower because they doubted God and his promises. Because they doubted God and his promises. When I was a little kid, my dad and I, we played this game. We lived in uh, Angwin, California, where Pacific Union College is. And um, we played this game in our, in our house at night. I had these little tiny um, soldiers, uh, green soldiers and gray soldiers. The green soldiers were, of course, the United States, and the gray soldiers were Germany or, or Russia or whatever bad guy I wanted them to be in the moment, and whoever it was. Sorry if there's any Germans or Russians in here. I don't think you're bad guys. Um, but they were, they were the bad guys. I also had this, this tower, this giant black tower. Now, my dad and I, what we would do is we would set up the, um, the little men, and, and I was always, of course, the United States of America, the green guys, and my dad was always whoever I wanted to be the bad guys. And I love my dad, it's just, you know, I wanted to make sure we won. And, uh, and we would take a, a racquetball or a tennis ball, and what we'd do is we'd line up our men a certain distance apart, and then we would throw uh, these, this tennis ball or this racquetball at these men, and whoever knocked over all the, the little guys first was the winner. Well, what I discovered very quickly is this. This tower that I had that sat only about this high off the ground, it was this hard plastic tower, and it, and it just, just so high about my knee, probably my knee height off the ground, I discovered that if the person who had the tower always lost, because you could throw the ball in such a way and hard enough that it would shake and all the men would fall off or it would tip over. And so I always made my dad have the tower. <laughs> Every single time. Because I learned early on that the tower would always come down and I would always win. Folks, the towers in our life, they're gonna crumble. They're gonna crumble. The devil wants us all to keep building the towers because he's like me as that little kid. He knows if we just keep building those towers, that tower is always gonna be a mess and come down and the devil's gonna win. So Jesus tells us, don't build towers for yourself but rather build on the rock Jesus Christ and his promises and your way will be sure. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the firm foundation, that you are the rock, that we don't need towers that we build, that the devil throws the ball at and it 
crumbles and crashes and ruins our lives. Lord, help us to remember just as the Tower of Babel became obsolete, every tower that we try to build for ourselves apart from you is of no value. Help us to trust in you, Jesus. We trust in you and your promises. Not just to hear your promises, not just to claim belief in your promises, but when we go to the altar, help us to know that those promises are sure for our lives. Lord, I pray that in each one of our hearts right now, whatever that tower is, Lord, that you'll make us clean. Help us to seek your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy and to accept your gift of salvation and your promise to destroy those towers and to build us up into Christ Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. amen.